I want you to look with me. This is a hybrid Sunday for a preacher. I'm not going to preach all morning. I've got a lot of wonderful things to give you, some information to share with you. And I thought I might just do that, but my soul is so overwhelmed with the word of the Lord and what God is doing. If there's any time that a preacher ought to have a word, it's in this crazy thing that we're living in right now. Anybody trying to dodge the preaching time right now needs to go check their salt in their preaching because if you got the call of God on you, you wait your entire life for it to get this screwed up so that you can preach a word that sets everything in order and remind the people that the devil is not going to win, that God is not going to lose, that we will not end up in a cave hiding from the Antichrist, worried about the one world government. There will be a people, and I feel like I need to make sure you re you're reminded you're a part of that tribe. There will be a people that have more than enough, walk in victory, have power in the Holy Ghost, and authority in the name of Jesus. And don't you ever let the devil get this thing screwed up in your mind. God is exalted, the devil is defeated, and Jesus is Lord. If you believe it, shout amen. Exodus 14, verse 13. If I were going to preach a whole sermon today, which I'm not, but if I were, my sermon title today would be Still Moving Forward. Look at somebody tell them, Still Moving Forward. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This he will accomplish for you today for the Egyptians. Boy, this right here is so good. The Egyptians who you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Look at verse 15. We always quote that, but I'm going to read the whole thing. Verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of God to move forward. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptian and they shall follow them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Look on down there at verse 26. I didn't tell them this. It'll take them a second to grab it. And if they don't, it's in here anyway. Look at verse 26, same chapter. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it, so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians into the sea. 
How many thank God for victory in Jesus this morning? Look at someone, tell them we're still moving forward. Help me today for a few minutes, Lord, to articulate your word and to articulate the vision that you have given us for this house. We pray now that your spirit would come. We already know that you're here. I have sensed the liberty of God and the freedom of the Lord as we have worshiped you. And now, God, we turn our attention to the text and we thank you for the word that is going to come forth and the life that will be ministered to our soul through the preaching of the word of God. In Jesus' name, thankful people said amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I, I, I have talked to you and told you many times before my theological infatuation with the story of Exodus. I preach from the book of Exodus frequently because it is more than just a book of history. It is a book of testimony of how Old Testament slaves became Old Testament kings and priests of God. How God took a people who were in slavery, brought them out, and set them free with his mighty right hand. I want to say to you today, whether you recognize it or not, one thing we all have in common, I said all have in common, is that we were all slaves to sin. Every one of us living under the dominion and the bondage of sin. And yet Jesus came as our great freedom maker and emancipator and by the shedding of his blood on Calvary told the devil, you will not steal what I have purpose to do in their lives. I will give them my righteousness. I will forgive their sins. I will break the chains of bondage and I will set them free. And so when you and I read the book of Exodus, it is not just a, bu a book of history meaning uh, meant to give us faith uh, as some story we read, but it is a prophetic testimony that God will never allow the spirit of Pharaoh to keep his grip on what belongs to God. Pharaoh has to let God people go because how many know if the son makes you free, you and I shall be free indeed. And when Jesus came and set us free, how many are thankful he didn't just set us partly free, he didn't just make us a little more religious, Jesus came and broke every chain, snapped every yoke. Come on in here somebody, he brought us all the way out. Anybody thank God today that you and I have been brought all the way out by the grace of God. And in the story of the Exodus, the departure from Egypt into the promised land, uh, we could rehearse the 10 plagues, and I'm not going to preach those today. But suffice it to say, when the enemy keeps his hands on what belongs to God, God reserves the right to release righteous judgment upon his enemy because when you mess with God's children, you mess with their heavenly father. And anytime the devil puts his hands on what belongs to God, he takes, uh, God takes matters into his own hands. And that's when you see throughout scripture so many times God say to the people of God, this battle is not yours. Now there are some battles that are yours. There are some battles that are yours because how many know sometimes we get ourselves into some battles God never intended for us to fight. In fact, this past week, God's been reminding me that, that, that as, as, as passionate and as excited as we can get, there are some battles you are not called to fight. And if you get on a battlefield you were not graced to fight on, then you have to fight sometimes in your own strength. 
But there are many times in the word of God where the people of God were just, just obeying God and trusting God and the enemy picked a fight with them. And it's in those times that God rises up and tells Moses and he tells the children of Israel, he told Jehoshaphat, Jesus told the devil. There are many places in scripture where the people of God were obeying God and walking with God and the enemy showed up. And whenever the enemy shows up in our hunger and in our pursuit of God, God always says to you and I, chill out. This battle is not yours. This one belongs to me. And I just felt like I would tell some people today, there are some things that you're fighting right now. You need to understand, you need to let God fight your battles. Don't fight with people because flesh and blood is not the real enemy. The real enemy is not people. The real enemy are principalities. And if you and I will stay on the battlefield of the spirit, come on here somebody. The Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold and the enemy put his hands on what belonged to God and God sent righteous judgment on Egypt 10 plagues later the last plague being the death of the firstborn of Egypt you know the story the Bible said that finally Pharaoh came to Moses and said let my people go or I'm gonna let your people go and Moses takes the people of God and they head to the promised land. When they leave Egypt, and I'm trying to process this for you, when they lead, leave Egypt and they're on their way to the promised land, they come to a place in the journey that looks like a dead end. Have you ever come to a place in your life that looked like, felt like, it appeared to be a dead end? What do you do when you have purpose that is unfulfilled and a future that is not yet written and a destiny that you have not laid hold of and you're standing at the dead end, the stop sign, the Red Sea, and you're looking back and the enemy is coming after you and you say, wait a minute, God, I, I don't understand how these prophetic words over my life that are not yet fulfilled, what do they mean in light of the fact that I'm at a dead end and it looks like there is no hope for me? I hope today in just a moment moment to reveal to you that the Red Sea is not a dead end, it's a setup. I can't find no help today. The Dead Sea is not a dead end. The Red Sea, oh, that was good. The Dead Sea and the Red Sea are not a dead end. That thing that you think is out to take you, uh, take you out is actually a setup against your enemies. Instead of God leading you into destruction, he's baiting your enemy into defeat. So God gets the people of Israel down to the, to, down to the Red Sea. And the people of God, you've got to be careful about your mouth right now. I'm not going to get no help on this one. You've got to be careful with your mouth. Look at your neighbor and tell them, watch your mouth, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth right now. You better watch your mouth because there's a lot of people saying stuff right now that I cannot find in the Bible. There's a lot of people talking right now that ought to be talking to God instead of talking. Oh, Y'all not going to help nobody right here. But I want to tell you, you better watch your mouth because a murmuring spirit is the only thing that will hinder you and me from take the devil can never be big enough, bad enough, strong enough to steal the purpose of God out of your life. If you don't 
fulfill your purpose, it is only because you have disqualified yourself from your destiny. How dare you blame the devil from keeping you out of your promised land when the Bible said that Jesus made an open spectacle of him when he hung on the cross and rose from the dead. The enemy has not going, he's not going to be defeated. The enemy has already been defeated. Satan is under your feet and the God of peace shall soon crush Satan under your feet. And they are at a Red Sea and they are looking at this stop sign and they are afraid that they're about to die and they began to murmur and they did not watch their mouth and they said to Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to kill us at the Red Sea. Have you ever felt like that? I know you're too sanctified to let your neighbors feel like you've never been through a season in which you question what God was doing, but there have been some seasons I walked through. It's not that I doubted him, but I did wonder why. If you're just going to kill me, you could have let me die in Egypt. But how many know that God is too good to bring you out to let you die prematurely in the middle? Oh, come on here. See, you've got to shift. We in the church have got to shift our perspective and our understanding of the moment that we're in. We did not come to this moment in history because God is through with us. I'm getting ready to preach. I don't care. You better hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. I don't care what happens in the next 12 days regarding the political structure or situation of this nation. My hope has never been tied to a man except the man who came from Galilee who has nail piercings in his hands and in his feet. It was never going to happen because one candidate was president and it will never not happen because another president was candidate. And, oh, no, no. This is going to happen because what God has set in motion, no man, no power, no president, no principality can withstand the mighty power of our king. His name is not Buddha. His name is not Allah. His name is the Bosheket Messiah. Oh, I didn't feel this in preparation, but I feel it right now his name is Jesus and I came to tell you I checked with him he's on the throne this morning and I've got a feeling everything is gonna be all right <laughs> sit down let me finish this this dead end is not gonna end in your death this is a setup. God is not tempting Israel or leading them into destruction in this text. He's actually baiting Egypt into their defeat. What if the weapon formed against you is really going to be used against your enemy? <laughs> Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I feel like I'm about to give him a double praise. Not only is the weapon not going to prosper, it's actually going to be used against the people that tried to use it against you. 
This thing is so real that I know it's true because when I look at Calvary, I look at Calvary and, and if you don't have spiritual eyes, you will look at Calvary and see utter defeat. You will look at Calvary and see absolute destruction. You will look at Calvary and you will see perhaps a murder. But if you understand, thank you Holy Ghost, if you understand how God works, Calvary isn't the end. Calvary is just the beginning. What looked like a dead end for Jesus actually became the source of strength for my life. That is precisely why the Apostle Paul said, had the kings of this world known what they were doing when they killed Jesus, they would have never put him on that cross because every time he took a stripe, cancer got healed. Every time he took a stripe, diabetes got healed. Every time he took a stripe, the pain of racism got healed. I just came to preach to you that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. Slap your neighbor and tell them this is not a dead end. Oh, I came to stir somebody up today. It ain't over. Touch three people. Tell them this is not a dead end. God is baiting. God is baiting the enemy into his defeat. And so they come down here. I got to hurry. And they get down to the Red Sea. And the Bible said they turned around and looked and Pharaoh's army was coming after them. And they looked at Moses and said, we should have died in Egypt. And Moses said, watch. Stand still. See the salvation of God. That's what we always preach. And we always shout about, stand still. The problem is, read the whole text. God never told them to stand still. Verse 15 says, God went to Moses and looked at him and said, Moses, why did you cry out to me and you ain't moving? Because your future is not tied to standing still. Your future is connected to moving forward. I'm getting ready to holler in here. Because I don't know where you're getting your cue from, but the kingdom is not getting her cue from the culture. The culture ought to be getting its cue from the kingdom. And there are too many people who are looking at Fox and CNN and the newspaper, and because they're seeing foolishness abound, everybody wants to stand still. But I came to bind the devil and rebuke every demon and to tell you, oh, I feel you, Lord, thank you. I didn't get my cue from a reporter. I didn't get my cue from a politician. I've got my cue in a prayer closet and I've heard the Lord say tell my people it's time to move forward. Slap somebody tell them forward. Well I'm sit down. I'm just I'm just a little nervous pastor you know, I'm just drawing up a little bit and I'm gonna step back a little bit and just see what happens. People who stop to see what happens will be responsible for nothing happening. 
I'm just going to check it out and wait and see what comes out of all this. I'm not. I came in authority only given to, be my, to me by Jesus to tell you, we will declare a thing and it shall be established. We don't, listen, we don't react to the world around us. We actually, as the ecclesia, have the kingdom authority to declare the revealed word of God and embrace the truth of that book and to apply the rhema prophetic instruction of God to our life. And we do not take orders from the world to walk in the blessing of the kingdom. I don't want to get into this too deep, but the moment that we're living in is revealing how far away some people sitting in the church are from the kingdom of God. I ain't waiting on it. Well, you know, wait till this thing clears up. I ain't waiting on it. I'm clearing it up. We're clearing it up. You say, Pastor, that's arrogance and pride. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, who else will clean it up? Are you serious? Have you seen things lately? You want all them people to clean it up? There's only one group of people on the planet with the heart, the Savior, the Word, and the anointing to clean things up. And that is the people of God. Look at somebody tell them, still moving forward. God brings them down to the Red Sea. They look back and see Pharaoh. They say, we ought to die in Egypt. And Moses said, just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the Lord says to Moses, don't stand still. Move forward. Because your future is not connected into your, uh, to your pause. It's connected to your progress. You've got to keep things moving forward. And, 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 and can you hear God telling Moses this? And Moses thinks to himself, the only way forward is a body of water. I mean, it's not like you can go forward and around this. This is the only way forward. It's water. What do I do about the water? God said, that's all right. Don't worry about the water because I put something in your hand. And I want you to stretch that rod out over the water and watch what I do. Now, I want to submit to you while reading this, it occurred to me God could have split this body of water without Moses' help. But God chose to work through the extended obedient hand of Moses to speak to a disobedient, disbelieving people that God's leaders have authority to take them. Y'all not following me where he is sending them. And some people say, why couldn't God do it without Moses? Because God wanted people to see that Moses had the grace to lead on his life. And you better be careful right now who you're following. Because God is anointing and raising people up. I've been saying this for three weeks now because the Holy Ghost arrested me in prayer three weeks ago. And he said, you better be careful who you turn off. Because they don't look like you. And they're not who you thought I would speak through. You can be tribal all you want to, but if you're so tribal and not kingdom that when God raises up a voice, you can't hear them because they didn't come from your tribe, you're in trouble. 
Well, I don't receive from him and I sure don't receive from no woman because I don't believe in no woman preacher. You out of your mind. If God can talk to a false prophet through a donkey, he can use any man or woman or child he wants to use. So get over yourself. Well, my mom and daddy, they all told me, and I was raised in theology school, and they all told me women ought to keep silent. They didn't read Acts chapter 2. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. So tell me what you're going to do with that one. God is raising up Moses in this moment to remind this rebellious group that there are some people in leadership in the kingdom that you don't get a choice to follow. I'm gonna put such a mark of leadership on their life that when they stretch their rod out over the sea in obedience, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move the waters and I'm gonna let the people of God know Moses is mine. Y'all can't handle this one, can you? Well, we all get a voice. Let me help everybody understand something. We all have a voice, but the kingdom of God is not a democracy. Did I offend somebody? I said the kingdom of God is not a democracy. I have a voice. That's the problem. The problem is when everybody gets a voice and we don't hear the voice of God, we all get ourselves in trouble. I want to get back to what God said. And when God says, let's do what God said. And if it ain't what I wanted to do, the best thing I can do with my voice is give praise to the God who's given us clarity and direction. So God says to Moses, stretch your, and he stretches right out over the sea. And they walk over on dry ground. And they get across on the other side. And the Bible said that Pharaoh and his chariots and his soldiers got into the chariots and they're driving through the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, what was dry for Moses and Israel became muddy for Pharaoh and his army. And the morning came and the walls of water that had stood heap up on heap while Israel walked through crashed back together. And while Israel made their way over on the other side, they stepped on the dry banks on the promised land and they looked back and they saw Pharaoh and his army swallowed up in the water. You better hear what I'm getting ready to tell you right now. Don't you ever for one moment let anybody tell you that there aren't some things that God can get rid of for the rest of your life. Some people will tell you, oh, you're going to have to deal with that demon for the rest of your life. That ain't what my Bible teaches. You can have victory. The kind of thorough, deep, authentic, real, purging victory that sets you and your house free from any future contamination and attack. That's why Moses said you better get a look at Pharaoh and all of his generals and his chariots right now because this enemy you see now you will see no more forever are you preaching annihilation I'm telling you there's some of you coming into a realm of victory so real the devil doesn't want to mess or get around close to your family again because when God you say that sounds super super hyper no that's super true when Jesus makes you free you'll be free indeed the Bible said that when the enemy took Jesus into the wilderness and he tried to get him to fall in all of his ways and none of the temptations worked the devil said well we better pack our bags and get away from from him we'll come back at another season and the next time they came back it was still the same reality he's still the son of God and he still got the victory and every time the devil tried to stop him nothing worked and Miriam broke out her tambourine and she sang the horse and the rider 
had been covered up because what looked like death to Israel was really defeat for Egypt. And in this season we're in, it is not time to pause. It's time to move forward. Look at somebody say, we are still moving forward. I said still because we started moving forward two years ago. How many remember forward two years ago? And we had this really robust vision to renovate the building directly behind this sanctuary for our youth. We started that, we raised several hundred thousands of dollars and we invested in the infrastructure of that building. And a lot of work has already been done, it's just not finished yet. And the reason it isn't finished is twofold. Number one, we found out in the middle of the demolition and the infrastructure that we were putting back into the building, we found out some really good news that the state is going to allow us to not only do the main area where our youth were going to be, but the state also, we were waiting on word and finally got word back that the state is going to allow us to do the other portion of that building for our big kids. And that's not something we thought we were gonna get to do. When I say big kids, I mean K through five. All of our nursery kids will still be in this building. But I don't know if you can see it or not. I know we're still in a pandemic, but we're going to have some issues going forward. And it's good issues. It's wonderful issues. It's growth. We tell each other all the time in executive leadership meetings, we'd rather be having to deal with these problems than trying to find people. I'd rather try to find out where to put people in a situation like we're in. Amen? Then look and find people. So we found out, number one, that we can renovate that second portion of the building for big kids as well as the space we had already begun to renovate for our teenagers, our sons and daughters. The second thing that happened that caused us to push pause is COVID-19. Now, you got to understand that we didn't know that was coming in 2020. And I think it's wisdom that we make sure the body knows what's going on. And it's really not time to keep pushing an agenda through when nobody's coming to church. And you know, they shut all of it down for a season. And finally, thank God, we come to an understanding and a revelation. The church is essential. The church is essential. If Lowe's is essential, redemption to the nations is essential. If the Piggly Wiggly is essential, redemption to the nations is essential. And so we started coming back to church and we've been praying about where we go and what we do. I want to announce a couple of very important things today that I think are just huge. First of all, on Vision Sunday, I want to tell you that even in the year of a pandemic, in the year of the world, Seeming to lock down, God has been at work for our church. Not just through our church, but for our church. He has given us tremendous blessing and favor. If you believe that, give him praise right now. I believe it. 
So something has happened in the last several months that I need to share with you today that are part of where we're going in our future. We have been very strategic about what we do with what God has blessed us with here. As you know, we not only own this sanctuary, we own about 14 buildings connected to this property. We own a couple of city blocks. The way we got all that was a miracle. I remember the Sunday Devin in her craziness got about 13 or 14 other crazy people and they all took shofars. Y'all don't believe in this stuff. She marched around this campus and she said, God told me he was going to give us that university campus next door. I said, well, you just keep on blowing your shofar marching, whatever the Lord tells you. Three weeks later, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy stuff. Some of y'all people are like, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. <laughs> I watched it happen. Three weeks later, I get a call from the president of the university. Pastor, we're going under. We're merging with another university, and we want to sell you the building. Actually, we want to put the building on the buildings on the market. Now, at that time, that was six years ago? What am I, in 2021? So that, that was seven years ago. I called one of the leaders in our church. I said, they're about to put it on the market. And they put it on the market for $19 million dollars. That's what I said. <laughs> Jesus. I called Steve back. I said, Dr. Eccles, I love you, but you know for sure you're not going to get that kind of money out of this property. He said, no, but we're going to get some money for it. There's a lot of interested people. And they commenced to having their meetings about who they were going to sell it to. One night I got a phone call real late from Dr. Eccles, president of the university. He said, Kevin, I want you to come by and talk to me about the vision that you have for this community. And we come by and the tears down rolling down my face, I just shared my heart. And he said to me, I'm telling you stuff I don't know that I've ever told you before. I want you to know the story. He said to me, what do you have to offer? So I called one of the leaders in our church. I said, what do we have to offer? I don't think we got two dimes scrubbed together right now, but what do we want to offer? And he said to me, offer him $1.8 million for the whole campus or one building. He said, the whole campus. I said, they're going to laugh me out of the room. I went in there. I'll never forget it as long as I live. He said, we have more money on the table. We have other people offering bigger offers. But on our way out, we don't want to sell this university and this property to someone who has no heart for this community. So we're going to accept your offer. And for $1.8 million... And this is all in the newspaper. You can go read it. So we've been trying to figure out, what do we do with all this? Seven years into it. And we've given some of it away because we believe in the children of this community. And we gave two buildings to the Girls Leadership Academy. One of them became the Girls Leadership Academy Library, and one became the cafeteria that they share with the boys' leadership school. And I'll never forget the Sunday morning that our church made that presentation to Dr. Swafford and Sue Ann Wells. And they were so excited, they were crying. Can I tell you, that building that this house gave them has been renovated. Today it is a library and it is a cafeteria for those students. And I think we ought to be able to give God praise for that. 
And then my dear friends, Ted Allen came through and started, I always get it wrong, Chattanooga Prep School. It's middle school and will eventually be high school for some of the boys in our community. Not only do we have a girls leadership academy, now we have an amazing school for young men in this community. And Ted Alling and that school launched and it has been an amazing, if you've never looked into that school, what's happening there, it's incredible what Ted and his team are, are doing with the young men of our community right here in Highland Park and the surrounding area in Chattanooga. And one of the things I've known in my heart for several years is that we were going to be a part of blessing those boys' lives. And so we did. We, 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 we sold them one of our buildings um, and they have used that area for parking and they've got plans for it in the future. And one of the places that I knew that we were going to be a part of blessing those boys with is a gymnasium because they need it for their sports program. And we've never put our gymnasium on the, proper, on the, on the market at all because it's a massive gym and it seats thousands of people and it's a huge college complex. And so I just have known for several years, I didn't know how, but I knew for several years that we were gonna make that possible for Ted and the boys. And there's a lot of stuff we do in that building. How many know we do a lot of stuff in the, in the gymnasium? We, we, we have our sports stuff. We've had a firebrand for right now, which is our youth department. We give, a, we give away all of our Christmas stuff in the gymnasium. We give away all of our Thanksgiving stuff in the gymnasium. Whenever we have precincts and voting, all that goes on. Whenever they want to have a community meeting in Highland Park, they do all that right out of our gym. And we're grateful that we've been able to be a part of that, but I knew this was connected somehow to the boys in this community and, and what God wanted to do for them. We've just never been able to touch on that and make that happen. And we never put anything on the market, but I wanna tell you that several weeks ago, something powerful started happening. We started having conversation and just to cut to the chase, here's what's happened. You're gonna read about it in the newspaper if you don't hear about it from me. So I'd rather you hear it from me so I can tell you what we're gonna do with what's happened. That gymnasium was part of the $1.8 million campus that we bought. And several weeks ago, we sold that campus. Number one, we never, we never put it on the market. Keep going, Chad. Not only did we not put it on the market, but this transaction helps us do two things. Number one, not only does it help us, and I'm gonna show you how it helps us accomplish what we got on our heart to do, but it helps those boys accomplish what Ted and, his, and Kelly and their vision for their amazing school that they're birthing. Uh, right here on this campus in this vicinity. So we give God thanks. It's going to be a blessing for everybody involved. Amen? And then finally, the, the, the last thing is the funds that we're able to get help us replace what we're losing in a gym. How so? I'm glad you asked. Let me show you. First of all, we are going to put these proceeds in the forward campaign and begin to accomplish these following things that are on our heart. Number one, we are going to finish the youth and the children's building. <laughs> you seem a little excited. <laughs> if you wanna know who to do with hair flopping and going crazy on the front row, that's the youth pastor of the church. And for since he's been down here, they have been like nomads all over this campus finding different places to have church. But we are getting ready to turn 57,000 square feet into a youth and children's building 
that will provide after-school programs and a place where sons and daughters can come and encounter the goodness of God. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to finish the youth and the children's building. One more time, help me praise God for that. Number two, we're going to renovate the Asbury Chapel. So just out the front doors to the left on the corner of Bailey and Orchard Knob, you will find a chapel that was built. It's one of the oldest chapels in Chattanooga. And it was the first to have the kind of organ that it still has in it right now. Show them that picture, the next picture, Chad. Isn't that beautiful? We're getting ready to redo that chapel so that we have a place, number one, to have weddings. Because when people get married, nobody wants to get married in this. Everybody wants to come to church. Nobody wants to get married in here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's big, but it's big. And so we need a place to have weddings. And not only will there be weddings for our people, but we believe this will be a revenue-producing mechanism for our church because people will want to pay on the outside. People will want to pay to have their wedding in our church chapel. Amen? And so, number one, we'll be able to have weddings. Number two, we want to have this chapel redone. This is so special to Devin specifically because this is the chapel where her grandfather pastored for years. And when God gave us this property, Devin didn't know that God was giving us a building where her grandfather prayed for revival in Chattanooga for years. And now all these years later, and how old is granddaddy now? 86, and he's got dementia and, and, and he doesn't know where he's at all the time. But every time we get the family together, he stands up on his walker and he says, now I'm going to preach this Sunday. Now we don't know where he's going to preach, but he's still got a word in his belly. And he preached in that pulpit all those years. And now all these years later, what he wrote down and prayed in that office, his own granddaughter is seeing it come to pass in the city. And so not only are we going to have a wedding chapel, but we're going to redo this building so we can have some more intimate gatherings when we don't have, you know, a thousand people show up. And we're going to have, there's a well in that place, and we're going to strike that well till water rushes up out of it. Somebody say amen. So we're going to redo the chapel. And then we're going to... Build with part of these resources, we are going to build a new gymnasium. Yep, we are. Because we do want a gymnasium, we just don't have to have one as big as the one we got. It's nice to have it, but it's great if we can re, uh, repurpose those proceeds and those funds and invest in the campus in ways that will bless the community and bless the church, and that's what part of this does. So we will be re rebuilding a gymnasium, and we will have a smaller footprint, but it'll still be a gymnasium where we can accomplish what we need to for the church. Not only are we gonna build a gymnasium, but we're going to take, and if you don't know where this is, you're welcome to go by and look at it there on your way out. We're gonna take, everybody know the Sharp Building? How many ever seen the Sharp Building? That sharp building is about to become an instrument to the nations. And we are going to build a TV studio and a music studio in that building. And from it, we'll be able to broadcast around this world 
and we will be able to tell the good news and bring encouragement to the body of Christ. And if the enemy can have a studio that brings him glory, God's going to give us a state-of-the-art studio to tell the gospel and to broadcast it around this world. So that's part of what we're going to do with these proceeds. Not only are we going to do those two things, there's so much I had to get it all written down here. Oh, I'm excited about this. Next one is called an amphitheater. Everybody see that wall in that bell tower? That wall and bell tower is the wall, the outside wall of the Phillips Chapel that you will see directly, where am I at? Over on that corner. Y'all all pointing to me. To, y'all helping me because y'all know where it is. It's right over on that corner. In that church right there built in 1901, Lee Roberson began this amazing thing called Tennessee Temple University and Highland Park Baptist Church. And it started in that building, had seven services every Sunday until they finally built this building. It started right there. It was in that building that Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. came and met with Dr. Lee Roberson back in the late 50s. And, and that building when we bought this property was full of water on its basement. A foot of water was on the basement. It had been dilapidated for some time. Walls were falling apart, was not in good shape at all. I've been praying and seeing for four years now, every time I drive past that place and the old Chauncey Good, I have been seeing those buildings removed and an outdoor amphitheater put there, a big green space for us to gather outside to have worship under the stars, for our kids to be able to walk and sit and talk and do life. And we're going to leave what we're planning on doing, and the architects have said we can do, I'll say it that way, is leave that outside wall and that bell tower as a backdrop for the stage, and we are going to create the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Amphitheater right outside. And it's going to be an amazing spot for the community to gather. And if I have my way with it, we'll get an outdoor baptism put right there somewhere too. It's going to be fun. Next, there's a dormitory that we want to renovate for some sports camps in the future. There's some other projects that I know Devin has on her heart. We're going to be tearing down the two houses that are up on the knoll behind us over there across the school. We haven't done anything with those houses because they're dilapidated and condemned. We're going to be tearing those down soon. And, uh, but, but all this is wonderful. And how many can help me take just 10 seconds and give God thanks for all of this? But it ain't over. It ain't over. But I, I want to take a moment to tell God thank you. It's incredible. It's incredible. But it ain't over because the most exciting news to me is not just what we're going to get to see happen in this community, but it's what's going to happen in the nations. We are going to get to build our church family in Uruguay, their new campus. The mission field is going to get blessed. Come on, somebody. I shared this news with Pastor Daniela. If you've never met them, that couple there in the top corner is Daniela and Marcelo. An amazing story of, of divine connection and alignment. Devin and I went to Uruguay, gosh, seven, eight years ago now. I was there. Two months later, Devin was there. When I was there, I was preaching on my way out to catch my flight and come home. I threw my jacket on that young man. 
And I said, God's going to use him in this nation in a mighty way. Two months later, Devin went, preached in the same church, didn't know that I did that to him. And she threw her jacket on her and said, this young lady is going to be used mightily in Uruguay. And we found out months later they were married, and now they are the pastors of redemption to the nations. Uruguay. This is crazy stuff. So we told them this week, and she started screaming and crying because we're going to, that we bought property on the main road in Uruguay several years ago, and we did that through an offering taken uh, from uh, Ruach, I believe. And some of you gave into that. We took that money and we bought that property on the main. They were in the middle of nowhere in Uruguay. Now they're on the main road. And they've been sitting on that property for a couple of years. And now we're getting ready to build the building they've had drawn up. And it's going to be an amazing place for Uruguay. Somebody say praise God. Not only are we building the campus in Uruguay, but we just agreed in principle on a three-story building in Bulgaria for Pastor Emil and Snedji. And on the first floor, they'll have church. On the second floor, they'll feed the hungry. And on the third floor, they're going to have Zion Project Recovery for women that have been caught in human trafficking in Bulgaria. Somebody help me praise the Lord. This is the most amazing stuff, y'all. Now, you say, Pastor, that's a lot of doing. Well, it is a lot of doing, and I want to tell you right now that this will be part of the campaign. The first part of this will go to the nations because I believe we need to make our priority not just what happens here, but what happens through the kingdom of God in other places. And if we'll bless the nations, God will bless redemption to the nations. So that's where the first part of this is going, and we're going to keep this house updated on where we are. This will be... Um, I suppose this is the Sunday when we will re-kickstart forward. And I will just be coming back and communicating with you because while this gets most of it done, we recognize that there may be a need to bring back to the body and we may have to tackle this together and bring our resources together as we did two years ago. But how many believe if God brought us this far and he's done this, he's going to take care of the rest of it? Say amen. So... I'm through preaching. I want us to pray, and I'm going to let you go today because uh, this is something y'all need to go just A, rejoice about, and B, pray over. I just want to tell you God's with us. This is stuff that you can't make up. And I'm reminded of uh, when I came to Chattanooga seven years ago. Most of you know we started in Urwa in 2003. So I don't know what year it is now, but that's 18 years ago. And um, 18 years ago in February, in fact, March, Devin and I went to Ottawa with uh, Jeremiah. She was pregnant with Isaiah. And um, 34 people on our first Sunday. And you can start playing and I'll shut up better. Um, and we were there for so many years and God helped us and blessed us. And when we come to, to downtown Chattanooga, most of you know I was just born and raised a few blocks from here. And I felt like God assigned us here. I didn't know what he was going to do when he told me that, but only God could write this story. And when I came to Chattanooga, there's a real prominent foundation in Chattanooga that has blessed so many different projects. And the McClellan Foundation, they just kept seeing what was happening. And I'll never get, forget getting a call from their director. He said, will you just come down to the McClellan Foundation? We just want to talk to you and find out who you are and where you came from and what's going on. And I said, sure. So I went down and 
for about 30 minutes while they all ate lunch, I sat in their boardroom and just shared my heart, what God was doing in, in our hearts and in our church and what our vision was for Chattanooga. And in the middle of that, the CEO got up and walked out of the room and I thought, well, that's great. I've ticked off the CEO of the biggest foundation in Chattanooga. This is brilliant. And uh, I was about to leave and I was getting on the elevator and his secretary came out of the room and she said, Pastor Kevin, he would like to see you in his office. And I will never forget going into his office and uh, Hillsong was playing. And he had a seat in the middle of his office with a foot washing bowl. He said, I want you to sit down. I said, oh, this is wonderful. This is good news. I thought I ticked you off. He said, no, I just had to get up out of the room because when you begin to share your heart, God began to speak to me for you and I had to come get this ready. He said, I want to wash your feet today. He said, and I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you're a Joshua that's going to lead people in this city to the Lord. And all you have to do is quit worrying about how God's going to do it. You just got to put your foot in the water and let him take care of the rest. If you'll follow the ark and follow the presence of God, he'll take care of everything. And I'll never forget him washing my feet and the power of God settled in on me that day. And it was a defining moment in my personal life, but not on my life and in Devon's life, but in the life of this church. And I just want to tell you this. There are some times when God does something, all we need to do is stay out of his way and give him the glory for what he does. And we're in a moment like that right now where God is just making it very clear that the best is still yet to come if we'll just keep walking with him. Today's news is not about money and finances. Today's news is about generations and communities. It's about the nations. It's about sons and daughters because I'm... I joined Pastor Josh and Lisa and the entire Firebrand team of leaders in finally being able to rejoice that what we've had conceptually in our heart becomes a reality that we can all enjoy and, and, and experience together. I'm thankful for the ability through this to reach nations in a way we've never reached before and to spread the gospel in ways we've never been able to spread the gospel before. And every tool he's going, that we're going to need to do what he's called us to do, he's just giving us those tools at the right time. So we're going to get these projects started, I hope, rather quickly. There's a lot to be done, a lot of, lot of permitting and planning and a lot, lots of things to be done. So I want you to understand we are still in a marathon. Look at your neighbor, tell him it's a marathon. This is all not going to happen overnight. But what is going to happen very, very, very quickly, I talked to Brian Bledsoe from Dwell Construction this morning again, and he said, I've got everything lined up, and the permit from the city and the state have been extended, and we are ready to go to work very soon. So the, amen. So the first thing we're going to start on is the youth and children's building, and we'll be starting these other projects as the Lord allows. You'll be hearing, I'll keep you informed. I'll keep talking to you. You say, Pastor, we hadn't heard anything about forward in so long. We didn't know what was going on. I didn't have anything new to tell you. And if I don't have anything fresh to tell you, there's no reason for me to talk about it except to talk about what got, you know, we had to wait on it a minute. And, uh, but we're not in a wait mode any longer. We're ready to move forward. How many are ready to move forward together? I want us all to stand together this morning. Now, let me tell you this too. Not only is God doing stuff structurally, and not only is God doing stuff with buildings, but there's, there's, there's something else I've got to tell you that's so important. In all of this, and in all of this growth, I'm, I'm probably most excited about what we are planning for the body. 
in March, we're going to relaunch house fires. Some house fires are still going on and have never quit even through 2020, but we're gonna relaunch house fires for families to get together at homes. And for 20 minutes, we'll talk about life and the word and for several minutes and 10 minutes that we'll pray for each other and we'll have food and fellowship at these house fires and it'll be all built around the goodness of God and we'll leave these house fires knowing more friends in the church and growing deeper in the things that God has for us. And not only are we going to relaunch house fires in March, we're going to launch interest groups. And you say, what's an interest group? Well, there's been a lot of people who say, you know, we, we got friends that want to go hiking. We got friends that ride motorcycles. We got friends in the church that bake. Thank God for those people, man. Just, I'm for real. I want to be a part of the baking class. Amen. But whatever you're, we got so many different interests. And so in March, we're going to launch interest groups. And this is going to be, uh, while, we may, while we may pray and we may talk about the goodness of God, this is going to be built around you and your passion and what you love in life. Because what you'll find out is there are other people in this building that have those same passions. So we're going to try to network and we're going to try to put a structure, we are going to put a structure in place for you to be a part of interest groups, not only house fires, but interest groups. It'll all culminate on March 15th, that's the date we have scheduled now, where we're going to have Be Known Sunday. Everyone say, Be Known. And what we're going to do on that Sunday is relaunch house fires, relaunch inter uh, and launch interest groups. And you're going to fill out this like three question survey for you and your family. We're going to put it in our church um, uh, database. And what we want to do is not just be acquainted with you. We want to know you. What do you like? What's going on in your family? And how can we serve you in a better way? And what I really want us to do this year is to take another step forward, not just in being a friendly church, but in making connections in the community of faith. Because what I feel and what I see in my spirit, not only do we have an opportunity of evangelism in the dark world we're living, but we really need to strengthen each other more and more. And so because we want to do that, we want to provide an opportunity for you to get connected for young couples, young married couples. There's a lot of different interest groups that we're going to launch, and we're looking forward to that. And I'm, I'm asking anyone in this group that wants to launch a house fire in March or you want to be a part of leading an interest group, Chad, can you put that information up on the screen? I believe, hold on just a second, uh, what I need you to do is simply text. It's on here. Thank you. Somewhere in the sky, someone's listening to me. Text the word LEAD to that number on your screen, 423-200-4933. If you text that number LEAD today to that number on the screen, we'll simply follow up. Pastor Omari and some of our leadership team will follow up, get your vibe, what's on your heart, what are you wanting to be a part of leading, and we'll put that into the process so that when we launch in March, We've got a lot of different opportunities for people to get connected to. And we're really excited about that because, again, I really believe this is a year we're going to grow stronger by staying more connected than we've ever been. How many want to stay more connected to the family of God this year than you've ever been before? It's, it's a much safer place, I tell you. It's a much safer place. And we, and we need to have that strength we gain from, from being around each other.